This is Jesse Hensley. And this is Josh Turner. Welcome to Turn Down for What. Turn down for what? All right. Welcome to Turn Down for What, where the host, Josh, wears the same white shirt every time. Hello, Josh. I like to cycle white <laughs> shirts. It's very simple and easy to match with pretty much anything I wear. But anyways, it is what it is. It is what it is. So, All right. <clears throat> what are we talking about today? So we got some news articles that we're going to talk about for relevant news for the week with within the EV space. And then we're going to spotlight uh, the new announced Lembo Lenzador. Who are we talking to today? Do you know? Uh, we're also speaking to the driver of an Ionic 5. An Ionic 5 or an Iconic 5. Which one is it? Ionic. Ionic. Oh, Ionic. okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll I'll see probably, if you get that will, right here in a minute. I will probably mess that up. Right <laughs> I'm sure you will. <laughs> here we are. All right. Um, you want to bet on it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, first news article, Jesse, go. All right. So, Greg Abbott. let's get that money. Show me the money, Greg Abbott. He is getting ready. I think he's already signed it up. A new registration tax for all of you EV owners in Texas. You're going to be paying 300 big ones when you register your car. Is it four, three, or four? Is it three or four? I don't know. I think it's 400. Yeah, it's 400. Yeah, it'd be it'd help if I look at my notes. So it's 400 for that, and then yearly you're going to have to pay an additional 200 for that. Now, it's a little high. It's a little high. I think I think some people are looking at this and going, okay, well. Normal people with their normal cars only pay about $75, $76 a year in fuel tax based on averages and everything. So 200 is a little high. Um, eh, you know, do I agree with the tax? Yes, because we don't pay tax for that. So when you fill up your vehicle at the gas pump, some of that money goes into the roads, goes into bridges. Goes there is, into there is a gas tax, which is given yep. to the state. Yep. So when we charge our vehicles we don't pay that tax so we are using the roads we're using those bridges and we're not paying anything for that now we'll put a caveat there as long as they don't double fee you because does that mean that the tax i pay for the power that goes into our vehicles is that tax yes it is so am i paying double tax and yes i am so as long as you can do one or the other i'm fine with it you know but the problem is that's a lot 600 bucks yeah just to i mean to your car i i got billed you know, in Tennessee, I got billed $100 when I renewed my uh, license on or my tag on my EV this year. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, just a straight added on um, expense. We well, got to um, remember, what is it normally, like $37 or yeah. something? So, But my, I had $100 on top of the 37 Yeah. Okay. So, so you it, it's all the regular processing and fees. But, you know, they're basically, you know, in Tennessee, I know that when we spoke with the governor's office, they, they are looking at implementing um an, a higher fee that they're working on getting legislated uh, well for you know, evs it, whatever the average is you know the, you got to take care of your roads you got to have your commissions you got to take the snow off of them you got to do all that stuff so and i mean if you think about it logistically an ev does likely provide i mean it's heavier yeah than you're, the you're probably vehicle. damaging the road more and you know what's the other option okay let's do a a mileage tax you know that's been floated out in some places well that's not fair either because when you're out in the communities in the rural america that's not like driving around 
town. You know, in town, you're able to go where you need to and you're fine. But what happens when you have to drive, you know, 75 miles to the store and back? That's your, that's your range. You went 75 miles that day because you are outside of where all of this is at. Now you're getting penalized for living in the, in the counties a little bit further out than you would be in town. So that's not fair either. So there, there, there eventually will be a, a fair number there that can kind of do it. I think 200 is a little high. If your average consumer of uh, or your average ice car is pulling in X amount per year, you know I think you should divide it out to where everybody's paying the same. But you know, just it, figure out what the average is. But I mean, six hundred. You know, obviously, that's a, lot. a lot of a lot of T dot. You know, and and the Department of Transportation's funding comes from the gas oh, yeah. tax. Yep. Um, for the improvement of the roads, and so it's it's something that viably needs to be implemented. I, I mean, I didn't mind paying the hundred because I understand. Oh, the I minded. I don't mind. I, I hate all taxes. That's I don't true. want to pay anything. But so. My point is, I understand on an extent. But if they said four hundred dollars, I'd be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that's, that's, that's a one-time fee when you register your vehicle. Is the four hundred, and then you get hit with the two hundred just to get your tag, and then every year you get two hundred. So it's two hundred ongoing. Yeah, yeah, so it's the two hundred ongoing versus our hundred. So we're. Hundred bucks cheaper. Let's yeah yeah go but for Tennessee. I think, so. I think what I was hearing, I think Tennessee was talking about two or two fifty. Um, Again, it, it, it depends on what the average is. Right now, I think that Texas, from what I read, is around the seventy five bucks per person is what they pay in tax per year. So if that's the average, then I think that would be the fair amount. If Tennessee says the same thing, but uh, there could be an argument made that because of the vehicles being a ton or ton and a half heavier that there is more wear and tear on the highways, thus, you know, that needs to be adjusted. Um, eventually you'll have the answer. Um, I, I, I think it needs to happen. I think that uh, EVs do need to have an additional tax unless you're getting tax from the power. And that might be the option there is to, okay, um, what is that power usage? And tax it to where it equals what the amount of gas tax there is. You know, could you regulate that? Probably. So, so, so just some numbers. I just pulled up some inf information. Oh, off you're of. so smart. Let's go to the internet and find out. <laughs> this is straight from uh, Drive Electric TN. So this is their electric explaining their hundred dollar fee. Um, but they kind of did the math. The Tennessee gas tax is twenty six cents per gallon. Uh huh. Uh, plus a one point four cent special petroleum fee. So about point two seven four per gallon is is the tax you do the math just kills me i know right so with that being the case though they're basically saying that like the average toyota prius if they drove eight thousand eight thousand miles a year would basically uh, use 153 gallons of gas why are they a, using a prius instead of a they also did a ford explorer okay there you go which is 421 there you go gallon. they did a chrysler 300 and a nissan ultima but at eight thousand dollars or 8,000 gallons of fuel per year, that means they're paying the state $42 for the Prius and $115 for the Explorer. So they're giving us the average. So, you know, the Chrysler 300 would be 104. But, you know, if you're driving 18,000 miles in the year, then you'll be given 259, and then the Prius is giving 100. So it depends on the amount of miles driven. But at the same time, like if you look at an average, let's say 10,000 miles, the Ford Explorer will give, you know, roughly $125, and the Prius is going to give 50-ish dollars. So that Explorer um, right now, tax. with the way the gas prices are, is about $1,400 a year. But the, I think that doubt. they're saying that it needs to be higher because gas, I mean, our vehicles are heavier. And, you know, logistically, where if you were a gas-powered vehicle with RF-150 Lightning, 
you're going to be at the same efficiency. Does as that, that mean Explorer. I get to write off all the tax that I have to? Well, I guess I can anyway because you write off your tax you pay, but you know all the tax you pay for your power. You know, but at the same time, if I'm spending fourteen hundred dollars on gas on an Explorer for that same vehicle as an EV, I might spend what? Uh, and they could they could charge EV infrastructure providers. TDOT could charge, you know, or the Department of Transportation could charge the infrastructure providers of the public stations that, but then the private home use, you know, that's impossible to monitor unless you had a special metering system. And so Which, it makes sense you know. to have the registration fee, but I think between one and 200 is realistically the difference in the, in the savings, just depending on the type of vehicle. But, you know, that's something that, you know, is a necessary fee, but a fee. It's it's a tax, and yeah. no one likes taxes, but I I can justify it. So got to maintain the roads. Got to keep the roads. So so, but still, it's a tax, yeah. and you know, I don't like taxes. Next but. topic: Ford. Uh huh. Hired somebody. Talk about it. Oh, talk me talk about it. You talk know about all about. It. No. Okay, so Ford went out and um, they got a gentleman by the name of Peter Stern. Now Peter has been over Apple's everything from what I remember um, again I come a little bit from the data side of things and uh, he was kind of the head o head honcho for Apple plus Apple TV oh man um, the games uh, Apple game system that they have and I know there's one or two things else that he was over that um, that he did for Apple so what does this mean for Ford? And I think this is kind of where you look at Tesla. The reason it's so popular is because it's a EV car maker, but people who have invested in it see it as a technology company. They see it as a data company. And I think Ford has looked at that and said, okay, how can we make our infotainment system better? Do we rely on Google and Apple to supply everything for this? let them have all the money that comes into their stores just for our system. We just have an app that's on their system or do we build our own system? And as you start getting these EVs out there, what else can you use your truck for? So, you know, here's a big battery. What if it has its own computer system? And that is your cloud-based system. What if it has its own communication system? Now you can utilize that truck or that vehicle as the home center for all your technology-based infrastructure. Could you do that? Absolutely. I know you can. I've, we've, I've worked in some of the fields that would allow that type of technology. So here is an untapped market of people who would have, even when you go to autonomous driving, what are they going to do? Do they use their system or do they use your system? And they've never really pushed, uh, of course, the interfaces for all companies that are car companies. I've never seen one. I'm like, wow! I wish I had that interface on my on my phone on a daily basis. But the basis. universal like Apple CarPlay, for instance, yeah. is something that you and it came yeah. apart because of the infrastructure that's already been built. Now, with this investment that Ford made, are they going after that market, and are they considering to being their own supplier for all of those under their own system, their own maps, their own? advertising systems you know what happens if you're driving down the road and all of a sudden your passengers can see an ad pop up for a restaurant coming up that was paid for now i wouldn't want to have that i'd want to block that but what if i would like to know hey i'm wanting need i need something around this exit what is around this exit and then that that gives you the list of everything and then that list is provided in a way that is based on that type of system that gives you money for advertising what's in that area so 
Um, I can really see this as something that is a huge investment um, for Ford. And especially you start going into vehicle-to-vehicle communications and you start going into what is the capacity of a huge battery and possibly a very intelligent AI system that can go with it that does your driving systems, what else can you do with it? So uh, I can really see, I mean, and when you look at the screen, I mean, you, on, in, in our vehicles, you have a huge screen in the middle of your truck. What if I can run Windows on that? And that is my Windows system. And now I can buy apps for that program and it's upgradable or it's something that I can use on the cloud-based infrastructure so I don't even have to upgrade it. But the cloud-based is where I get that from. So many possibilities there. So I think it's something that they have definitely invested in the right direction to make Ford different than Chevy and Dodge um, and puts them more in line with what I think Tesla is today, which is a technology company working on AI and artificial intelligence with driving and all these other sides. So I think it's a great move. Something that most people probably wouldn't look at and say, oh, that's going to be groundbreaking. But for me, as a big nerd into this stuff, I see it and I'm like, man, that is like a not, that, that is a game changer for me. That is a huge thing that I doubt very seriously. A lot of people are going to say that that's a a pivotal time in Ford, but I could easily see this as the time Ford has changed their direction as even a further upwards in compared to their other rivals within uh, their current market. It'll be interesting to see how that hire affects their product in the next five years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you can just imagine if, if uh, and then when Apple Car comes out, is that going to have their own system that does this exact same thing? And, uh, you know, I know Google was working on an autonomous system as well. I think they've kind of calmed down on it, but they were working on one at one time. Was that the idea, that we would take that infrastructure and create an ecosystem that can use all of your other apps? And the one thing about it, too, with Apple, they've already built all the system so great that you can monetize the videos and the music and everything else just like us we have all the subscriptions because of that reason um can Ford do the same thing you know they're a car company maybe maybe not but they are a car company going into technology and apple is a technology company going into cars so in 20 years are they both going to look very similar you know you they're both going in the same markets that the other one is in i think if you're so, a car company you have to look at technology you have uh, to. as of right now you have to look at technology and you look at what else is there because what else can you use that for you know it's a big battery sitting outside can you sell that power to somebody else when the power price gets really high at the afternoon can you sell that you know uh 50 kwh and make you know, thousand bucks for it because, oh, we're in a, a crisis and we have a big demand. Well, if I could make 500 bucks and know I'm going to charge that vehicle that night, I'm going to do it. I'm going to push that button. And I'm like, hey, I'm here at the house. You know, let me let me make 500 bucks and then I'm going to charge it back tonight at $12. Peak, so, sh peak shaving at its finest. Yeah, so peak shaving. That's, that's something that you don't get. You, we'll, we'll talk about peak shaving. It's not about, you know, cutting trees off a mountain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, peak shaving is when you take your battery or whatever device you have that has power in it, and you have the ability to discharge onto the grid, and they get uh, paid for that power. So these big battery it's, plants. It's, it's putting power in at low 
stress moments cost. and yep. selling it at high cost moments. So if you, that, you see all. all these people talking about these big battery factories, and everybody's like, what are those used for? So what they do, they charge them at night when the demand is really low, and you're, say, $0.03 cents per kWh. So it's $0.03 cents per, that'd be, what, $30 per megawatt or so. So then you have everybody needing that power when the air conditions are running at full in the afternoon and it's hot outside or it's really, really cold outside and there's a big demand. Everybody's wanting that power. So at that point, you go from $30 per megawatt to 50, to 50 or yeah. 100 Or in Texas, I think some places are like $400 per megawatt. So when you discharge that on the market, you're selling your item back to the grid and you're taking the gap between it. That is called peak shaving. And that is where... These big batteries, you know, it's not a lot of money, but what on weekends? If you know you're not going anywhere on a weekend and you're set up to where it charged that night and you can discharge in the afternoon and it gets very, very high or, or it's, the demand is there, what if you can make 30 or 40 bucks a day? That means you're not charging. You, you basically are getting your fuel for free by, that, by doing it. And then again, that goes back to an episode many, many uh, weeks ago called uh, that we've got into virtual power plants. I yeah. think. Is that what it was? Yeah. Virtual power plants. So, so it's, it's again, technology. We're talking to some groups that are looking at that for industrial uses for some of their industrial equipment, their electric. We're talking to people who, you know, normally wouldn't have thought of it that way. But if you got say 30 forklifts, you know, and you're not open on Saturdays and Sundays, Imagine how much money that equipment sitting there could make you by utilizing the batteries on it. And it doesn't hurt anything and it helps everybody else because it allows for the, it lowers the price of the power because you're supplying more power when people really need it. So if everybody was doing that, you're looking at a very well-regulated system. So I think, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I don't know how we got off talking about Apple and to peak shaving, but um, Here we are. Uh, I guess that would be what I do every time I, uh, clean up my head is peak shaving. So, pretty, pretty <laughs> uh, all right, talk to us about the Lambo. Lamborghini. So we're going to go into the car manufacturer spotlight. Uh, we are showing a picture now of the Lambo. No, don't. God, hate when he does that. I just can't get him to do anything right. What's it called, Josh? The Lanzador. Lanzador. Well, okay. Let me see how much he pays attention. When Lamborghini names a vehicle, what do they name it after? A horse. A very famous bull. Bull. A bull. <laughs> yep, so all their cars are named the after Lanzador bulls. does sound like a bull. Yep. Yeah, he was uh, old man Lanzador's bull and um, <laughs> <laughs> named him after his dad. So um, it is, uh, as you can tell, it's uh, kind of a crossover. I'm not it a doesn't, big fan. It of doesn't it. hold true, to my opinion, to a traditional I mean, Lambo. But if yeah. if you're going to do so, this is your first EV. You've already mastered the look at what I have built. It is an awesome looking poster car. And they've always went back and said, okay, even even when they did the Countach, they did a recent Countach that looked like the old one. Eh, it was okay. I mean, I would love to have one. Uh, got that beautiful V12 sound to it. But if you're going to go after a vehicle like that, and it's going to be your first, why didn't you go after the Mira? Take the design of the world's first supercar, the Lamborghini Mira, and that would be your inspiration with the eyelets around the headlights. It looked like it had um, eyelashes around the headlights. Beautiful shape of the car. I mean, that is probably one of the top five cars in my 
opinion uh, when it comes to its looks and they have beautiful colors the 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 blue and the yellow and the and the orange bright bright uh, just mm. I would love to have seen them try to take that and use that as inspiration for their first vehicle because that was the first very beautiful supercar that was the first so you use that heritage to build the first ev version of what you have but they built a an suv i don't know if it's theirs so that it looks different than their current models so it doesn't compete against the you know aventadors and it doesn't compete against these others um horsepower looks great i mean you're 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 pushing we had one most of the places I saw said 1,341 horsepower. Saw one place say it was uh, 1,360, but that's not much more. It's like 100 horsepower more than a, a Lucid Air. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I mean a Rambic has 2,000. I mean, so yeah, it's I like mean, uh, you're talking about a price point starting over 350. Um, yeah, at least 350. Uh, some places I think said you over have a 500. lot more of a rather than have like a a cool looking SUV crossover type car. If you're going for a sport car that looks cool, spend the 250 and just get a Lucid Sapphire. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, a Lamborghini has a name, but it to me it just it didn't. And pop. I guess they built this because they don't have that type of car. It's not going to compete against their uh, SUV. It's not going to compete against their uh, two plus two or their all-wheel drives or anything like that. It sits right in the middle of uh, their market, so they're not competing against themselves. But that's the thing about special make something special and a Mira inspired car would have been beyond what I would have wanted to have that I, that would have been aspirational for me to look at and say I wish I could afford to have that car yeah. and, and then do your stupid numbers behind it because it's going to be a little smaller body um, you're going to have it zero to 60 under two seconds you're going to have your you know quarter mile in the nine second range or eight second range I mean you could have made it something uh, as a, and then do the suspension as a touring car to where it's something that uh, I just Most people nothing, and it still looks great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's a Lamborghini. Every Lamborghini looks good, but I feel like Lambo, they could have done better. If I'm buying a Lambo, I'm not buying one that looks like that. Yeah, and and if I'm looking, I mean, then Ramek has their car, and if I'm looking at aspirational, that Ramek is one that I would rather have. With a three million dollar price tag, but. don't matter. It's aspirational. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. put a three million dollar price tag on the Mira look, something that looks kind of like a Mira. I'd probably want it more, just yeah. because the heritage and that beautiful look. And I'm not seeing a car look like that car. And I mean, the reality is, is logistically with having an EV on a on a mega luxury sports car front, it's a totally different thing because yeah. you know that a lot of those vehicles have gigantic rear mounted. V12s or whatever oh, yeah. it is. Beautiful engines. Yeah. Beautiful engines. But, but, but with a, but with this, you can't just put a big battery on the back of the vehicle because it's it's weight disproportionate. Yeah, and but so you're you, going to have the surfboard underneath, though, so it's probably going to handle better. But that, that, that affects your driving space. So it's either more trunk space with just a dead zone on the back side of the Lambo. I still think they could have. You have can. My point, though, is it's a different okay, consideration. Okay, I see what you're saying. Because of the layout of the car... You couldn't have done a surfboard under it without making it look like this one has. And you could be right because, yeah, you, you wouldn't put a big battery in the back that's double stacked because that would create a pendulum and you would never be able to get the front 
weight ratio to where it wouldn't drive like so the old. It, it, it changes. The, okay. I mean, you, it just takes a little bit of creativity, but my guess is this is the first iteration. They probably could not make such a low-slung car because you couldn't build a surfboard system underneath the driver. Unless you did some battery in the front, some in the back, or I don't and know And then how that's that. going to be a very, that's going to make it more top-heavy and yeah. probably, okay, I erase everything I say because <laughs> Uh, I don't know, though, because you look at the Tesla Roadster that they've created. That yeah. sucker is, like, low-slung and very sporty-looking. It just <sighs> it, it, It's a design thing that you have to look at, but it, it's just a consideration when you're looking at your standard luxury sports car. Well, they and, and, and you also got to look at who's looking at it. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people out there that can afford that type of car, but they haven't because they are conscious of the environment. They yeah. don't want to buy a, a V12 uh, naturally aspirated or turbo B12. But I do. Uh, oh, I would love to have one of those. <laughs> um, but at, so for those people, this is that opportunity to kind of show off yeah. what they have and do it in a way that is not – because the only other way to show off right now is me and you – our trucks are not show-off trucks. They're not like look-at-us trucks. I think the Tesla will be. I think the Cybertruck is a such a different look that it's going to be – <laughs> Look what I got, you yeah. know, because it's so different. Yeah. Now, there's nothing else like it that's out there. Um, but this, you have a few. If I just saw a, rum, a, a Remick on the road, I would know what it is. You would know what it is. But a lot of people wouldn't know what that is. So they it's not it's a sports car. <laughs> yeah, and they wouldn't know it's a $2 million sports yeah. car. Um, they would see, so they would, they would see I will say that that Lamborghini does have a striking look to it. It does look like a Lamborghini, and you're probably correct. I'm probably being too critical on it because they may not been able to build the battery packs in a way to allow for the same design as a Mira or a Aventador. I'd be curious. I mean, it'd be curious to see if somebody eventually takes on a Mira and does like an EV conversion on it. Oh no, you would um, never do that to that car. And everybody should like hunt them down and do stuff to them if they did pass that, that to, that to downey when he did that to all of his uh yeah but it's different to doing it to his cars and doing it to mira mira is a work of art it there there's there might be five cars that i would put in that category and the mira is one of those cars you don't but imagine don't being the only mirror on the road with an ev conversion on it People should hunt that person down <laughs> if you did that to that car. So I, I, see, I would rather I see, you see hold it, that one. Sacred, I would rather so. see it as an e. Uh, leave it the way it is and hang it up on the wall or hang it somewhere and just like it is and just look at it because there there's only a handful of cars like that that are that beautiful and that is probably one of the best proportioned cars out there. Obviously, we see uh, Jesse has strong feelings about this vehicle. I love it a little bit. So, <laughs> anyway, so that that's what we got there. So, uh, production time twenty twenty eight. So you have to wait a few days for that one. Just a few. Yeah, just a couple. So, um, anything else that you want to discuss? I think we're going to be talking about solar here in the next few weeks. I think we can finally break out the solar conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else we have coming up over the next few weeks? We are talking again. Uh, about airports and VTOLs. So we might get into some VTOL action over the next few weeks. Uh, just do a, a, a do one about that and uh, let everybody know what a VTOL is and what it looks like they're going to be used for. Yep. Um, what else is there? Not much. We're going to take a break, and then we'll uh, speak to our Ionic driver. We'll be right back. And we're back, and we have uh, Steve Burkett on the line. He is from Boston, Massachusetts. Are you there? Yeah. Hi, Josh and Josh. Good to meet you. Hello. So you are the driver of a Hyundai Iconic. Is that correct? 
close to, close to the common uh, common miscommunication. It's the Ionic Five that I'm in. So God, yeah, I'm Josh. Ionic Five. Ionic. Why did I say? <laughs> Isn't it ironic? <laughs> Anyways, Ionic Five. So so, how has your experience been with that vehicle so far? It's been great. We've uh, we got the first model here, so all the kinks that come with that. But uh, we've owned for about eighteen months now, and uh, done almost forty thousand miles. We're pushing, so uh, it's been good wow. for road trips, and yeah, we're having a good time. Family of four, so we've done a lot of uh, trips so far. So what? What in general? I mean, you've driven that vehicle. What did you drive before that? Uh, we were in uh, two times Chevy Bolt EV leases, so 2017 through 2020, and then we liked it so much, or conversely had so few options, depending on your take, that we uh, went in for another lease for a few years from the 2020 Bolt EV. Then we are owning the uh, Ionic 5 now. So, so, so you've been like in the enough. EV space for several years now. Yeah, yeah. I um, kind of had a little time with the Chevrolet Volt as well, the plug-in hybrid. So I uh, knew a little bit about that. That got us on the line of the Bolt EV. Uh, and my in-laws have a Tesla Model 3. So we're kind of all over the place, know the different landscape. But uh, the Hyundai Ionic 5 is what won us over to actually buy one. Yeah, I've seen the newer, um, I've seen some of the newer, I mean, that that whole entire brand line looks like it's it's quite nice. Um, but I've, I've yeah. seen some of the newer uh, releases and it looks like the technology and stuff is uh, growing in it. I mean, I think Hyundai and uh, Kia as well have, have done a really good job at being a forefront yeah, for sure. leader in technology and vehicles. And so I, th- I think that that's a really nice, reliable vehicle option. Yeah, the 800 volt system, the EGM peer platform's been really good. It kind of just night and day road tripping that compared to the uh, the Bolt TV, which was steady. But you know, this has uh, been 15 to 20 minute kind of uh, you know fast charging stops are a night and day difference to the to the time in the Bolt. Do you know offhand what the battery size is? I don't know if that that off the top of my head. Yeah, we're actually to the decimal point, which is quite sad. But uh, <laughs> 27.4 kilowatt hours, so that's the uh, not the usable, but. So yeah, seventy-seven is kind of it's comparable with like a Model Y and those yeah. kind of uh, you know long-range Model Three kind of thing. So when you plug in at a supercharger, what delivered speed are you seeing on your vehicle? Um, if it's uh, fully capable, one of the three hundred and fifty kilowatts uh, up to stations, I uh, will max out around two hundred and forty kilowatts, um, and it'll hold that for a good chunk of the first half of the pack. So you're uh, you're getting ten to eighty percent of that seventy-seven kilowatt hours in about twenty minutes. Usually, is good. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, me, me and Jesse both drive Ford Lightnings, and uh, the charging um, capabilities on those initial models. I think Ford was being more protective of the battery packs, and so yeah. we ended up. You know, the best that I've ever gotten in my truck is basically one seventy five delivered, and that's on a, that's on occasion. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of well. You have the advantage of the big pack, right? It's around town, and you're you know not doing as much filling up. You can really squeeze out about three hundred plus miles. I'm only really seeing you know two hundred twenty, two hundred and thirty tops on highway speeds. But uh, yeah, it doesn't take very long to add back that kind of. So that's pack, still though. You're, that's three hundred. That's three hundred sixty kilometers. So I mean, yeah, it's still really good. With your with your vehicle, you're getting basically three miles per kilowatt on the highway is what you're saying pretty much yeah it's, uh, it depends you know speeds and uh, mountains we have a few hills around here but uh, mostly we can rely on 200 miles per charge at least you know, and comfortably still be able to stop and uh, not worry about range i mean my truck on the road i can only get like 270 
on the highway (laughs) from 100 to zero. So it's not really that much better for being 130 kilowatt battery. My lifetime is right at two. (laughs) So that two kilowatts is all I get per mile. So, um, but I'm a little bit faster than most. So. Yeah, well, you have the extra storage as well, right? But yep. Different uh, use cases, but certainly we're, we're pretty happy with being able to get back on the road in 20 minutes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, a big use case. What's the uh, charging infrastructure like up around Boston? It's pretty good. Um, around the city, very good. Um, and kind of over the only gaps we have, we go over to Ohio a lot, so Midwest kind of travel, and uh, there are some gaps in the Berkshire Mountains still waiting to be filled but new york state uh has been really good there's a lot over that kind of new york three-way route so um yeah we've been pretty happy with it so far yeah we were talking earlier today about ohio and they have actually awarded 20 locations under the Mm -hmm. federal program so they'll have 20 locations coming up um for new EV charging all along the corridor all along the corridor but so I'm sure you're probably aware of that but um, all the other states as well are soon to follow we've been actually consorting with New York's um, Department of Transportation on some charging infrastructure that's coming in additional infrastructure coming to New York but states like what are the states you would pass through West Virginia if you, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, if you yeah. want to but even states like West Virginia are going to be getting corridor fills to where you won't really be driving down the highway more than 50 miles without yeah. without finding a charging stop which would be very nice cuz I've yeah, I've sure. I've done a few road trips where you know the charging stations are 100 plus miles apart and that takes a little bit more strategy when it comes to Yeah, work. that's where the planning comes in. West Virginia needs it badly, very badly. Yeah. Ohio's been pretty good to us. Um, Pennsylvania actually just got awarded a bunch of uh, an EBI um, location. So that's another good place to look along I-80. They've uh, started to really fill out that corridor nicely. So yeah, we kind just, of a toss-up yeah. between the New York Thruway and the I-80. So. Yep, and uh, Pennsylvania gave a lot to Tesla. But I think Tesla's going to be doing their dual system with the magic dock so that way you can utilize both am i correct your vehicle's a ccs correct yeah that's yeah. right hyundai hasn't uh well hyundai and kia haven't gone over yet they're still figuring out the kind of vagaries of the 800 volt system on 400 volt chargers but uh, i think they'll figure out probably pretty soon and get there yeah i mean i think that um a lot of the vehicles have said they're going to go that way but they don't they haven't figured out logistically how to get there um a, 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 an announcement doesn't mean an implementation. I think there's a, a, a long distance between yeah. the two, but we'll I see. Considering is the um, the phrase they used, um, I've used the magic dots because a lot of them are along that route in in upstate New York, and uh, they just don't. They're no good for very hundred volt cars at the moment. I was maxing out at like 42, 43 kilowatts, which Ooh. is back to the bolt days for me. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's a plan C for me until they can figure out how to deliver that power properly. Did the bolt have just to go back to that? Did the bolt have the Chatamo or was it CCS? No, bolt was CCS. Yeah, so okay. they um, well, that was, was but it, it maxed out around fifty five kilowatts, and that was on a good kind of you know if you were in the right place. So. Uh, much different kind of vehicle to road trip, but it was CCS, so at least you could find, you know, yeah. find the right connection. A lot of those originals that you saw, um, I think some of the original bolts, some of the original bolts had the chat and melt, but I'm, I'm not 100% certain on that. Um, and then but, before that, yeah. they came the nuts. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, what a small number now, right? Nissan Leaf. Michigan Outland, there's a few that's still around there, but we still see Chatham heads going in around um, some of these installs. So it kind of takes a while to filter through, right? That's why I'm kind of, you know, on the next thing, it's going to take a while for that to really come through because we're still installing Chatham heads at some of these places. Yeah, wow. so these and then, now, we have three different, now we have three different standards on the road, which just kind of makes it confusing for the driver. But I, uh, yeah. I saw it. 
Tesla driver that had to get a, it was a Chatmo adapter, I think. Oh, okay. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, it, it's where we really do need to come down to a universal standard. I think that the two is okay. Um, it's something that um, with our charging infrastructure that we're implementing throughout the Southeast, uh, we have the intent to put, you know, basically an ACS and CCS ports out of one station. That way you can choose between the two. But, you know, that's something that uh, older vehicles like Chatmo, I mean, like there has to be an adapter tech until the new vehicles. I, I don't even know if they're making vehicles that do Chatmo. Jesse, you- yeah, you've still got the leaf, but it's really down to Nissan at this point, right? They really need to just release a uh, an adapter or some way to make that happen for, yeah. for those older Chatamo cars, because that's really the only manufacturer you're seeing at those stations. So we, uh, you know, CCS and Max from now on until Max kind of dominates. So yeah, in, in North America. By yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Because Europe is a different story. Yeah, we, we interviewed somebody a couple of weeks ago on the podcast from Australia, and they have mm-hmm. Teslas that are CCS uh, ports because in, in Australia, they don't have the North American charging standard. Yep. And so the, all the Teslas that are shipped there are actually um, installed. Uh, the inboard uh, charging port is a CCS on the Teslas there. Right. All this stuff's been sorted out there in Europe for, for a good while. So we're, uh, we're just trying to figure it out because we're a bit further back on the adoption curve. America loves to be unique. So, you know, we'll <laughs> have a special system. We're, yeah, yeah we have to have, have our, our own system. We're going to have an yeah. imperial system for power that way, you know, <laughs> just, just to create it. That's America being <laughs> difficult. But yeah, there we are. CCS worked just fine for me. I don't know why we have to change it, but I guess that's an Elon question. Anyway. Because they can. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he has. So um, uh, I think it comes down to numbers. You have, what, 13, 15,000? Tesla stations out there that work great and you know you don't have that many on the other so if I'm somebody that wants to use it I can't so um, my gut feeling is okay I'll let you use it but if you do you're going to have to allow that to be part of your system too and you know they've agreed to those terms and uh, now we have an opening for more charging Um, I don't like having two systems but uh, you know it's kind of like having a lightning port and a USB-C you don't like that either, but you do what you need to do. So, hmm. yep. yeah, well, yeah, it'll standardize at some point. But uh, we're in for a, a year of adapters, I think, next year, and then we'll oh, see yeah. where we go after that. Our lightnings are supposed to be getting an adapter, they say, in January, in January, February, but I, I haven't heard anything beyond the original announcement of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be nice to have the infrastructure opened up for drivers like us because, you know, in, in our area, the infrastructure is more limited because we're not in as uh, developed, like some of our back country areas on these road trips don't have that level of stations, but they have some large, uh, Tesla implementations along some of the routes we take that, you know, right. would, would provide the extra opportunity for us to have some additional reliability points that way we're not solely linked to really and i don't know how it is in your area but in our entire road trip experience there's pretty much only one company as the competition we're pretty much seeing electrify america as being the the only option on road trips right now yeah. with a few other random exceptions but most mostly electrify america yeah, we've used uh, some blink and some hotels uh but or some for, buildings downtown for fast, charging, fast charge yeah i don't even think we've had a um charge point fast charge up here that we've been up i'm sure they're there we've just not the only one I've used is that, that 75kW one over at the, the dealership, the Hyundai dealership. I had a I had a tritium system that was ran by them in, in 
North Carolina, that's that's one that I have used. But I think it was like a 150. Is Electrify America your main provider? Or do you have a diverse round of, amount of options up there? Yeah, no, we have we have a bunch of choices. I tend to find myself into the Electrify America ecosystem because the um, the Ionic Five comes with one of those much hated mm. free charging plans. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, it's actually limited for us. We have thirty minute sessions, so we would cut off after that. But mm. not like the complete unlimited. But that is the one we would generally look for. And aside from the fact they tend to have those kind of, you know, you with Electrify America, you know that they're going to be, you know, fairly fairly high power, even if there's sometimes low power is a little bit. You know, it might be derated here and there, but typically we find that they give us what we need. But we have EVgo as well. EVgo has been doing a lot of uh, really good 350 kW installations, and uh, they've actually been probably the most reliable. You know, to plug in because you have auto charge, which is a system kind of like Tesla. You know, to just fire it up. And I know the Lightning has plug and charge, right? Mm-hmm. So you have that kind of system where you're just plugging in, it goes off uh, to the races. Um, so EVgo has been pretty good for that. But yeah, it's, we gravitate towards Electrify America just because of the kind of couple of years pre-charging. Yeah, I don't know what systems EVgo is. It might be their own system, but EVgo was the largest uh, winner in Ohio, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, they, they, and, they're going to be in pretty much every pilot in, uh, yeah, in Ohio. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah. So. Well, that's the advantage they have. They have that uh, program kind of already underway, right? And I think they're just yeah. kind of looking around at the funds now. We can get a bit of money to build out some of this that we already planned. So they're, uh, they've made that right partnership right from the, the word go. Hmm. Well, and then you have Pennsylvania that we talked about earlier that won 54. You know, they've awarded 54 locations. So when you start looking at the size, that's a lot of different locations for the state, Tennessee, um, they're going to be awarding 32, I believe. So mm-hmm. uh, once you start getting some of these built out over the next couple of years, that's really going to allow for a lot of options. And then it comes down to, okay, if I can choose this one or the one in 50 miles, what are we looking for to make that other one? Do I go there because it's cheaper? Do I go there because there's more to do? And that's where I think you start getting into some of these are going to kind of falter because there's a lot of infrastructure in one place. But if you have all these choices – my gut feeling is, well, okay, the cheaper that you supply that power to somebody is probably where they're going to go. Kind of like you with um, Electrify America, you try to go there because your first 30 minutes are free. Well, if it's cheaper than, you know, other places, free, free is pretty cheap. I don't think you can get much better than free. Yeah. But, uh, but if you're looking at on the road and you didn't have that option, you know, that's going to kind of open the door if somebody can produce their power. And you're getting that benefit of them producing it on site cheap and then selling it, say, 17 cents per kWh, which means you're paying, you know, what, 20 bucks for fill up versus two or 100 miles down the road that it's going to cost you $38 to fill up. Now, all of a sudden, those people that have that cheaper price, how do you get that out to people that that is the cheaper option and that's a better option for people or a quicker charge or a, you know, whatever options you can add on to it. There's a, there's a lot of opportunities there that you, you can go through and it's going to be interesting right. to see how it turns out. Hmm. Yeah. And that competition is much needed, right? As you said, electrify America is kind of the, the only choice in a lot of places. Um, so now you do want that kind of, well, I could go there, but I could also roll through and go to the next place 25 yep. miles down the road. And uh, maybe that's got a better restaurant or maybe that's got better facilities, 24 hours. Could be any number of things, but definitely choices, uh, you know, what the American consumer loves. And give increased confidence to those people coming into the space. Because yep. yeah. a lot of people yeah. that I've spoken with, you know, interested parties are just hesitant because of the charging infrastructure 
um, and the time. I don't want to wait an hour. Well, if you can get fast charging and have it more available, then obviously I think that that's a world in which you'll see a lot more adoption because that's really the biggest negatives in the electric vehicle space. I mean, there's not really much other than the fact that, you know, we're just, we're, we're working on infrastructure. And once that hits, I think that we're going to see a lot, a lot more um, attraction towards that entire market. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, give us any, any tidbits or any um, things that you would want to say to a driver that might be considering purchasing an EV, what, what would you say about your experience in the EV world and what, what, you know, kind of drew you to it and why, um, why they should choose to purchase an EV? Sure. Um, I mean, I think around town, it's kind of a no brainer, especially if you have a, a driveway and a place to just plug in at night, you know, you're waking up to a, a full tank, so to speak in the morning and uh, cutting out that gas errand. So one of the biggest things people moan about is, you know, having to charge up that kind of thing. Well, really, you know, if you think how long you spend at a gas station every week, just on that extra errand, you're cutting that out. Um, so that's a big advantage for people who can uh, charge at home. Um, silent ride, you know, quick acceleration, all that stuff is kind of well covered, but it's, uh, it's a benefit of driving electric. And then on the road, you know, it kind of depends as we've talked about, if you're willing to plan and do a little bit of, uh, Homework, you can certainly make those trips happen, and it almost works as well as a gas car if you pick the right model, but uh, we still have some years to go. So if you're on the, the fence, then uh, obviously you know planning is the biggest piece at the moment for those longer trips. Absolutely. Well, we do appreciate your insight. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, definitely uh, appreciate the uh, insight. You're the first one that has driven the Ionic, and so that's a, a really uh, cool vehicle. I've seen them. We've actually talked about maybe using that as a company vehicle at some point, just because it's a uh, it's an affordable, um, nice, you know, high tech option that provides a lot of those amenities. I think some of the newer models are getting three twenty, three thirty range, I believe it was. And so, I mm -hmm. mean, that's yeah. that's a very doable thing for a vehicle that's priced, you know, priced right. So yeah, yeah. we've really enjoyed it, and uh, thank you for your efforts. I really appreciate the podcast, and uh, it's uh, great to get that word out there to people on different models, makes and what's happening in the EV space. Absolutely. Well, we were talking about the the next one that's probably going to be your next EV, which is the Lamborghini that was announced uh, this oh, week. Oh yeah, so well, that, that's probably your next purchase. It's between that and the Rolls Royce. Oh, the Rolls sure. Royce. There's, there's a couple there. But, uh, <laughs> coming <laughs> you know, coming from where you do, I think the Rolls is probably going to be the better one until McLaren comes out with one. So. Give, yeah, give, us sure your, give us your dream EV car. The next one, if you if money wasn't an object, what would you buy? You know, we, we've really got into the camping space and the adventure side recently, and um, Rivian's brand is just so on point for that stuff. Oh, yeah. um, obviously, they've had some type of first-year model kind of things, but uh, I don't know. I find it hard to get away from something like the R1S as a good family camper hauler. So oh, yeah. That would the probably R, the be R1 where we are. Yeah. The R, I mean, I've, I've been in an R1T, um, but I've, mm -hmm. I've also uh, been around a couple R1Ss, and, I mean, they're just – they look good. Yeah, they look, they good. look good. So, yep. Rivian, there you go. All right. That was the one. I'll put my head on there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for your time today, man. I appreciate it. Yep. No worries. Thanks. Have a great day. Appreciate you. Yep. All right. So, there you have it. He locks the Rivian. The oh, truck yeah. that uh, we have a friend who always uh, mentions that uh, his Rivian is a little quicker than Josh's F-150. But it's so. a small truck. Uh, uh, so anyway, so you had, a, you know, anything new? I think, I think the, from the news earlier and everything else, now we got a rib, now we got a, what, what, what'd you call it to begin with? 
called an iconic. I don't an know why iconic. I did it. Okay. Well, it's an ionic. I don't ionic. know why I said iconic, but here we are. So there we go. But yeah, so. tune in next week for a new episode. Yep. Thank you for tuning in today. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.